Vix the Convince. Welcome to the Vix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, NewSpark founder, Paul Mosenson. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's Paul Mosenson, Fix to Convince, Marketing Optimization. Thanks for joining me today. We're going to talk about branding today with my guest, Jerry Lance, and his company is storiesatwork.com. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Paul. Thanks for having me in. Sure. This is going to be very interesting because branding is critical to marketing, of course, and how people perceive you and the experience. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. Well, maybe about 30 minutes. But let me give you a little more information about who Jerry is. He is a branding expert. He's a marketing strategist and content developer. So a bit of a trifecta, I guess. His clients activate the persuasiveness and differentiation that may be hidden in their brand, product, or service using Jerry's story tools and narrative thinking. Jerry was a madman, spending 24 years in New York at three of the top five global advertising agencies. He was also a corporate marketing director at the U.S. division of Ferraro, the international confectionery company. Jerry has received multiple industry awards for creativity and market effectiveness, and we're glad to have him today. I'm so excited. Well, so am I. That sounds so complimentary. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Sure. Well, you're the writer, right? So you help me. <laughs> oh, you just exposed me. Oh, my gosh. You know, when people say Ferrero, they don't know what that company is. But if you say Tic Tac Rocher, which I introduced nationally in the 90s or helped introduce nationally, um, Nutella, which now America loves, uh, which was only you could only find it in specialty stores. And um, so um, Tic Tac Rocher, Nutella, those are all common brands now. And they're introducing many, many more. It was a really fun time to work for a candy company. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I love Nutella, by the way. Yeah, everybody does. Well, let's get down to it. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Branding, branding, what is that? What is what is brand and what do you what do you what is a brand story like what is that in your yeah, definition it sounds odd because uh, well it's kind of hot now everybody talks about the story they're telling am I telling the right story is my story targeted um, etc cetera, etc cetera. but I will tell you uh, I had a blinding flash many many years ago and I was actually working with uh, ad agencies as a consultant to help them tell their business story uh, when they were making pitches uh, and sending persuasive proposals to clients that in fact there were two parts to every every story you needed to tell. There's the functional part uh, which is all about the benefits you're offering them, the features of what you're offering them, but then there was this other human factor, this human side to the story that makes people want to work with you because they trust you, they like you, and they're willing to take your recommendation. And I kept thinking about that and thinking about that. And I thought, well, wait a minute, that applies to brands. Brands have a functional side where you're offering your product or service and all the wonderful benefits that it uh, gives to your, your customers or your clients. And I thought a little more deeply about that. And I thought, yeah, but they hire you. They hire the, what the experience of the brand is like. That's when they make a purchase decision. 
Um, so there's a story embedded in every brand. But the, the problem, Paul, as I see it, most B2B marketers miss the opportunity to tell the human side of their brand. And in fact, they're offering it without even knowing it. And the more they recognize that they have a human side to their brand, uh, I think the more competitive, the more compelling, um, and the more they can actually dominate their market. Mm. B2B marketers make a mistake. They think if they offer features and benefits and slap a price on it, uh, they'll get the gig. Not necessarily. They need to tell a much richer story. No, it's actually a good point. It's actually something I brought up in a, an older podcast about, I always like look at websites and I go right to the leadership team or about us and I don't see people. I don't see people. That's like, something? Yeah, like, like, like I'm going to buy words. Well, you don't buy words. You buy a solution, but you buy the human experience as well, the trust. Brought to you by somebody. You know, I was working in a seminar once, Paul. Uh, I was presenting to a Vistage group and it was a bunch of C-level people and a guy had a technology startup company and it hit, but it was at about its fourth year. And the guy asked me, he said, well, when like Coca-Cola do I start promoting my brand? I said, well, you know, when do I start, you know, initiating my branding? And I said, you already have a brand. Every time you talk to a customer, every time they pick up the phone and hear your call message, response message, every time your salespeople step into the office of a company, and it was a, a company with a name like, you couldn't figure it out, it was a made up name, like made up technology name. And I said, but that name is beginning to have a certain meaning. And the guy didn't have a tagline, uh, he didn't have a copy strategy. And I said, he didn't seem to realize he was already telling a brand story by every touch point that his brand was having with their customers, their prospects, and potential customers. Yeah, I, an interesting story for sure. And you, you think about that, and it does go through all the touch points. Any experience that someone has with a company is part of their brand especially with social media going crazy on oh every day. <laughs> what people don't realize is their brand is actually their business strategy. Their brand is actually their business strategy. If you if, stop thinking about the brand and everybody says they know this, that their brand is not their logo, just their logo, just their colors, just their tagline. The brand is an all encompassing 360 degree entity. And it actually has both, as I keep saying, a functional side, which B2B people seem to just live there and think that's automatically compelling. And the big mistake, Paul, they make when they talk about their functional side is they use the same generic terms as everybody else in their business. And then there's this human side that they basically leave, as you point out, that you go to the team page and there's not even a person. There's not even a human telling detail about them. Now, most people have kind of figured that out, um, but it's, you've got to turn that corner. Can I tell you a story of an IT company that I think is bloody brilliant? Go for it. Well, have you, have you heard of Rackspace? Sure. Yeah, Rackspace is a hosting company, a mm -hmm. cloud hosting company. Yeah. And from the very beginning, they offered what they said was a fanatical, support promise, a fanatical support. Now, 
IT support's huge. If you're gonna sell some kind of IT service, and in this case, it's a hosting service. Uh, but most, they, they ha it's hard to separate yourself. And they said, we're gonna own the customer experience. Now, I was presenting this case history to some, uh, at a group, and a woman stood up and said, I just worked with Rackspace. I just was on the phone with them yesterday, and I have to tell you, the customer service agent was a fanatic. They would not stop until we got my issue solved and I had a solution. So not only did they promise fanatical customer support, they delivered it. By the way, what do you notice about how do most IT companies talk about customer service? What do they say? 24-7? Yeah, 24-7. We help 360 degree customer service, customer service this, customer service that. Um, we're here to support you. We're here to help. But they stood out and said, we want to be fanatics. I was presenting to a group of IT executives over in New Jersey. Um, quite a while ago, and about a third of the executives, when I said, who's the fanatical support company? About a third of them said Rackspace. And this was quite a while ago. And now I think they probably completely own that language. So here's my point. There's a human word, fanatic. It's now their positioning and they own it. The sign outside their building even says, the home of fanatical customer support. Isn't that right. amazing? Just a piece of fresh language. Yeah, I hear it all the time. You know, it, it's, it resonates with someone without even knowing what they, if you read what they do, it's still about that human emotion that gets to you and says, this might be the company I want to work with. So telling. Yeah, let me ask you this. So you're, you're a C-level executive sitting back, your business is stagnant, Maybe it's you're trying to analyze how to grow, you know, with your VPs in a boardroom or whatever. Been there. And, and you were trying to decide, is it a sales problem? Is it operational problem? Financial problem? What do people think of us? Is it, you know, there's all these probably analysis paralysis of what do we do? What do we do? Maybe it's the brand. How, how do you, how does a company know when it is time to rebrand after reviewing all those other things? Well, that's, that's exactly the situation I want to catch clients in, where they're looking at everything you're doing and wondering, why don't we have the edge that we need to have in the marketplace? Why are we um, not at the top of people's lists uh, to buy from? Uh, because you know now, you know, According to Google, um, something like people make something like, and you're the expert on this, 12 to 15 searches, looking at 12 to 15 sites before they even decide who they're going to engage with. So how do you get to the top of that list? How do you get to be in the consideration set? CEOs, CMOs should be asking that question. And here's the thing, they lack a competitive edge. And here's the sustainable competitive advantage that they can have immediately that no one else can take from them or copy. And that's their brand story. But it can't just be the usual litany 
of features and benefits. This is kind of revolutionary, I think. Benefits are just a support point. They're not your promise, even though that's the benefit the client, your customers, your clients, your prospects are going to supposedly get if you deliver it. But they're a support for a much bigger experiential promise. What's it like to work with us? Rackspace answers that brilliantly. You can expect fanatical customer support. And here's the other trick, Paul. Stop talking we and start talking you. How they sh Those CEOs, those CMOs should be looking at the copy, their sales literature. Is it talking about we do this, we do that? How about here's the outcomes you can expect. Here's the experience you're going to have. Here's the confidence that you're going to get when you use our solution. You can set back and actually start focusing on your business and not this problem. It's time to dust off your brand if you have not relooked at your brand in the last five years. That's your brand is ancient. It's time to look at it again. Well, it still has to come from inside. And if, if, uh, if the team decides maybe we should analyze whether it is a branding issue, right? So maybe they can do surveys to their customers and prospects. Maybe it's, you know, as an analytical person, you know, looking at their direct traffic on Google and see if it's going down. Yeah. Um, and there could be a number of triggers that, um, and look at your competitors, see what they're saying compared to you, as you mentioned, and where's that differentiation? And maybe we need to pivot and, and refocus um, on some of these um, trigger events that happen. And you, some of you, you mentioned a powerful word, inside. I find over and over again, I don't even have to have the idea for a client. The answer is inside them, but they're not asking the human dimension questions that they need to do to get to those uh, important differentiating uh, human factors. You also said something very important that ties to the brand story process that I use. I start with what I call a brand audit survey. And the very first question is, as I say to them, I say their brand name to them. And I say, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And they say whatever, and it's usually generic to the industry. And that's okay. I say, what else comes to mind? And we start diving down deeper. Then I say, I ask them, What's on, what do you think clients say about you? Well, they deliver quality. They, de they deliver, you know, they're innovative. Yeah, but, you know, you could have just said, if you're a Rackspace, we got really great customer service. But they went deeper. You go deeper, and that's what part of my five-step process in getting to the brand story is starting with a brand audit that it's an it's a top of mind qualitative survey to get at those thoughts feelings emotions images perceptions that most c-level people don't don't often think about everybody's kind of hip to brand perception but i don't think they go deep enough to get to the stuff that's differentiating you use two powerful words go inside and uh, asking, doing a survey. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just setting the stage for this process, obviously. Now, some of the other goals of rebranding I've mentioned here, and let me throw some out, and you can comment if you like. 
for the audience. Um, obviously, we spoke about competition and market conditions. Obviously, that's one of the triggers, of course. You know, if somebody comes out with something new, do we have to match that or do we, you know, you know do we have to get all nervous? Like, oh my God, there's something going on here and do we need to change how we do a business because of technology, digital transformation, whatever it is, right? That there's, that's a trigger event, like Absolutely. to reevaluate. And here's some of the simple things that could be getting in the way of an effective brand story. I find often with clients, marketing is putting out certain materials with certain content, certain promises, and uh, a certain story. But the salespeople are using a completely different story. And there's not a harmony. There's not a harmonized story. So one goal is, is do we have a harmonized story? I'm, if it's just functional, fine. But all of you should be talk, talking from the same playbook. Uh, that's one thing that you can accomplish. Uh, I think another one is that, that you mentioned, you're so smart, Paul, is you should do a competitive story landscape, not just pricing, not just uh, product range, not just features. What, what story are all your competitors telling? What feeling comes when you look at their websites? What tonal words? I'll give you an example. Can I give you an example of uh, somebody that we did that for? There's a company right in Pottstown. Oh, you were not going to tell me. No, I hope. Well, if you're in California, Pottstown's in Pennsylvania. Okay. Yes, Pottstown's <laughs> in Pennsylvania. But here's the point. It's not that they're in Pottstown. Sorry I brought that up. That's okay. <laughs> they're a wonderful IT company, and they sell transportation management software. They have a great, and they sell it to school, school districts to route school buses, which, by the way, is usually done by hand very tedious and it's a cork board with lots of pins in it and string and rubber bands to try to uh, route buses. Here's their innovation and there's other people in this space. It's computerized and it can handle any contingency and they have a great name, Bus Boss. They, we worked with them just to help them sharpen their brand story. They had all kinds of functional benefits they were less expensive than the big national players. They were uh, more easy, easily had their data migrated over from whatever they were using to this, to Bus Boss's software, uh, transportation management software. Um, they had a free demo. Uh, they offered free training, um, all kinds of advantages, but they still weren't getting the clicks that they needed. Uh, they were doing okay but not great. So we worked with them and we talked to every one of the constituents, every person who's engaging in school buses, the IT director, the teachers, the parents, the school superintendent, um, the administrative manager of the school district. And they all, this was doing a deep dive in their personas. They all had the same uh, concern. It was the safety of the kids in the bus. And we looked at the competitive landscape and people weren't really talking about that. So Bus Boss became Bus Boss because your precious cargo comes first. And then they had a headline on their website, safety from the first to the last stop. Now they could have taken the usual IT company route 
or this more human route? And eventually they dropped their functional tagline about free and easy and all that stuff and just went with because your precious cargo is the most important thing. When we looked at the competitive landscape, only one competitor was using the language precious cargo and it was on the 17th page of their website down in some body copy. But we had already grabbed it and seized it and Bus Boss just goes with that single tagline to this day. And I can tell you, it began to, what all, the, all their programs were generating growth, but they attributed their new positioning as uh, contributing one half of their new growth. So that shows you that language, human fresh language and a human insight, which actually came out of my heart and soul about putting my kids on the bus. I just said, be careful, they're precious cargo. And lo and behold, bus boss can now use that and own it and they do see the kind of spark that i'm talking about well yeah I mean, we're transferring from a business process all the way to how to make it humanized and emotional yes uh, ma married to the technical and the solutions yes and uh some sort of collaborative joint words and phrases that represents the experience someone gets when they research your company. Let's take a big national example. I'm sorry to keep focusing on IT. I work in so many other businesses, manufacturing that are not just IT. Look, let's look at SAP. What does SAP say? They say the best run companies run SAP. Well, they're known as enterprise class. Now small and mid-sized companies go, well, I'm a best run company. Maybe I could use SAP. Maybe I need SAP. So there's just a, a human dimension to that. I want to be a best run company. And they now go run better, run smoother, run faster, run efficiently. You know, they've just taken that theme and exploded it out. That's the, that's the power of a big human idea. Am I appealing to CEOs you think with this or they're going, this is just uh, fair tales? I think they're going to be excited, you know, and, you know, to be honest, you have to take a step back in this and think and then study because this is a huge undertaking, you know, whether it's a new line of business or like you said, or a competitive issue, or maybe you have a new business model. I mean, uh -huh. or, or just businesses uh, stagnant. Like we mentioned, there's all these things that have to um, come into play with, especially with younger audiences and millennials making buying decisions and you have to appeal right. to them you know 10 15 years ago you know they were in grade school right and the internet was different and and how people buy is different and if you haven't stayed with the times with those younger people you're going to lose them and and that's part of a branding exercise as well really is uh, appealing to the to the buyers and who they are and what their pain points are and does your message resonate to them you know, not just the senior people, but the ones who are actually doing the research to choose vendors. Great point. They're the in, if they're not the buyer, they're the influencer. And trust me, um, my kids, one of my daughters is a millennial and uh, right on the cusp at the top, um, but she's making, she's a vice president at her company. She makes big policy decisions and they want, what do they want in companies, millennials? They want human purpose. Uh, they want to see human values. 
um, it's huge. You're, you are nailing it. And if a company is not responding to that in any segment, any industry vertical, uh, not including that in their marketing planning and their marketing messaging, um, they're going out into the market only half-armed, if that. So true, so true. This is really good conversation. Hopefully everybody is uh, understanding this and starting to think about their own company and what it takes. Um, we're almost done here. All these things we've just discussed, all these uh, trigger events that cause a company to rethink the rebrand, right? So we're going to, if we decide to do it, how do you get started? And what is the expectation of this um, at the end of the day? Well, I mean, this is going to sound self-serving, but I don't care who you get. I think you need a guide. I think you need somebody with an outside view. Um, the only insiders that can do this is an insider with an outsider's view. Um, Cotter at, uh, who was at Harvard is the genius about change and leadership and dealing with change. Um, if you truly want to change things, you truly want to investigate new paths, you have to take the view of an outsider looking at your company. I believe that the answer is inside, that you need an outsider to help enable it and deliver it. When I work with clients, I'm more than happy to discover some kernel that they bring up and say, I think there's something there. Let's dig in that trench. What happens is uh, when clients just try to do it on their own, they, create, they dig a lot of trenches, but they're not sure which ones to focus on because it's as much a creative exercise as it is a business exercise. So I think some kind of consultant helping you do the research you need in your own company amongst your clients. I always include their clients um, and looking at the competitive storyscape as I call it, and then crafting, really crafting that experiential promise. What is the experience you're promising? That's the definition of a brand you realize. A brand is a promise of an experience and the experience of that promise delivered by your customer. There's two sides to it. So mm -hmm. you have to get yeah. at all of those things. That's how you start. Right. You know what? It doesn't have to be complex. I've done this in a morning with a company and we cracked the code just talking with their key leadership team and they walked out of there with a new brand tagline, kept their brand is totally fine but with a new positioning in just a morning session. The strategy is one thing, but executing it, of course, is another, right? <clears throat> website, yeah. color treatment, messaging throughout the site. Do I have to redo my website? Do I have to redo my social media, retrain Probably salespeople? Yes. Probably That's yes. the point. This is a big picture thing. It's not like, you know, okay, we rebranded. Now let's check our search marketing strategy. You know, this is everything. This is the future. This is business growth. It's where we started when we said a brand is bigger than the logo. I said your brand is your business strategy. It's everything you do and think. And the values that guide your brand should come from your people based on their beliefs that drive their behavior and customers experience that. Now that's another whole podcast about values and the stories that support them. But it is a top to bottom, re 
refacing your brand, but it has to be authentic and central and true. Authentic, central, and true. Yes. I just made that up, but I think it's exactly right. I like that. Trademark that. Okay. So this is really good conversation, and probably I have so many questions, but that's for another day. Okay. But, but we're setting the stage here, and that's what this is all about. You know, right now, um, this is done in 2020, but there's issues. But for the future years, whatever the strategy is with your company, we're always thinking about one thing, market share, um, revenue generation. Profit. Profit maximization, for sure. And you can fix the little things, hire a new salesperson, whatever it is, review sales strategy, hire consultants left and right. But at the end of the day, it's still about the experience someone has when they engage with you before they decide to convert or buy. And, and that's brand. So true. So Jerry, this is very interesting. His website is storiesatwork.com, Jerry Lance. That's Jerry with a G and Lance with a Z, something like that. And, <laughs> you know, and I'm Paul Mosenson with a P, whatever. But uh, um, Jerry, thank you for joining me today for this insightful conversation. And the, I mean, branding is really one of the first steps in the convincing process that I talk about. Um, well, thank you, Paul. It's been really fun. Uh, and thank you for letting me ramble all over the brand landscape. Sure, no worries. And don't worry, it's not going to be edited. But uh, thank you. And thanks for listening, everybody. And there's going to be a lot more podcasts of interesting content about marketing optimization and strategy. And take care of yourself out there. Thanks for listening. And stay tuned for another podcast. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince.